Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the Medical Device Success podcast and videocast. I am Ted Newell, your host, and I'm also the host of the MedTech Leaders Community, where we bring together MedTech leaders and those aspiring to be leaders to learn from each other, to share best practices, challenges, and solutions, and to learn from subject matter experts. You can learn more about the MedTech Leaders community at medtechleaders.mn.co. And from now until the end of the year, the equivalent of a new member's first monthly payment will be contributed to one of three COVID-related charities. Today's episode is the sales process in a virtual world, important considerations, with Brad Ansley, Vice President Healthcare at Richardson Sales Performance. Brad will help us understand the important factors that contribute to the success of the sales process in this virtual world. Let's get together with Brad. First of all, I want to welcome Brad Ansley here today as our guest in this live uh, webcast. He is the VP of Healthcare for Richardson Sales Performance. So, Brad, welcome to the videocast and podcast and live event today. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And um, it's a terrific firm, Richardson Sales Performance. And that's a point I I do want to make is I never get paid by guests. Some people people have actually offered to pay me, or if I've asked them to participate in a podcast or videocast, they've said, well, do we have to pay you something? And I always say no. So this is a service to the audience in general, um, and it helps keep me honest in terms of who I can bring in to present and so on and so forth. But so why are we here today talking about uh, virtual sales processes? And I sort of a stupid question in a way because I think we all know we're all sales professionals and or marketing professionals have some link to sales and marketing and we're really challenged in this current environment. But the, the traditional life science sales process just is no longer applicable in this environment. And we have a lot of things that have happened. Um, I know we have uh, Mark Lenham is from the UK. He's one of our attendees today. And I don't know what they what the guidances were in Europe or in the UK, but in the United States, we had guidances from the CDC, from the AMA, and from the, one of the major technology uh, lobbying organizations, which is AdvaMed, which pretty, made it pretty clear that sales reps were to be discouraged for going into doctors' offices, into hospitals, and so on and so forth. So that's the environment we're in. The sales rep can't go in, charm his way or her way by the gatekeeper, stand in the back area of the office in between patient lanes and wait for the doctor to come out and pass them by so they can pitch something um, or make another appointment. There's just so many differences in the process. And the same thing with a hospital. It's much more difficult to get in the hospital today. Uh, so we need to adjust you know, to this new sort of virtual reality and I was searching for somebody to deal with the virtual sales process because if you look back through the podcasts and video casts, we've addressed some technical issues like how to improve a PowerPoint presentation to make it more effective in a virtual world. We've talked about that. We've talked about the nuances of speaking and setting up a, a virtual program, and we have more of that coming. But we haven't talked about how does the sales process change and how do we use some of these tools in the sales process um, and where does it change? And I had a great conversation the other day with Brad when we were preparing for this and it just made me realize how much more challenging this all is with some of the examples that he gave me uh, relative to these changes. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Brad to give us a little more of an introduction to himself. I know he had a great career at Merck like 20 plus years at Merck in, uh, in sales and sales management. Then he went on to consulting and sales training and so on. But if you could give us a little background, Brad, and then also tell us about your role at Richardson Sales Performance. Sure, will do. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're all here. Thanks for joining us today. 
Um, so as uh, Ted mentioned earlier, I'm the vice president of, of Richardson Sales Performance Healthcare, and that is um, Richardson Sales Performance's dedicated life sciences uh, arm uh, it's in our practice. Uh, and I'm fortunate to have come upon that after, as, as was mentioned, 22 years at Merck, and then before that as a microbiologist. So had a, I've been in the healthcare industry throughout my entire life and, and just really love it, quite frankly, um, and have enjoyed every bit of it. Was able to go through everything from carrying a bag, through management, through marketing, through uh, market access, and up through the executive ranks at Merck, and have just really enjoyed it. Um, with regard to Richardson Sales Performance, many of you may not know that we are the largest independent uh, leader in sales training and performance improvement uh, in, around the globe. Uh, we have offices in Brussels, in the U.S., and in Shanghai, and uh, over 129 specialists and, and certified trainers across the globe, uh, and have continued to work with, I think it's over 600 clients across the globe. So, you know, very uh, wide array of experiences and been in business for over over 40 years. Now, what's interesting is to take all that experience and then drive it into a, a healthcare practice, which was born out of the need, just like we find ourselves in today, where the market is changing. And we really like to say that we help uh, simplify the sales growth equation, right? We accelerate and simplify the sales growth equation by taking all that experience and pairing it with subject matter expertise so that we can uh, help organizations such as yours really drive accelerated growth based on the changing needs and expectations in the marketplace. So uh, hopefully that provides some background as to, to my background and, uh, and what we do. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very, very much. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we wanted to review as we step into uh, how virtuality changes our sales process, I had asked <clears throat> Brad to share with us the uh, six critical skills or steps that make up some of the foundation of a sales process. And then we're going to go into what a technology, a really basic technology sales process may look like. So if, Brad, if you want to share your screen and just roll through that, I'd appreciate it. Sure. Well, and, and while I'm sharing this, so, um, and you'll get a chance to obviously just look through them as I talk, but what we have found is that in today's marketplace, things are significantly different from, you know, selling virtually to versus selling in person. You know this, this is not new, but what we find is that there are altered dynamics um, when you're trying to sell virtually. It's more difficult to connect personally. Uh, people actually behave differently when you're when you're trying to behave uh, trying to connect virtually. There are there, there's discomfort with people being on camera, and how do you how do you deal with that? And how do you engage uh, and and really make them part of the conversation? And then then heaven forbid, there's technology issues, right, and bandwidth issues that people hadn't been planning on in the past. So to address these, we feel like, in our point of view, is that there are really uh, six critical skills, and these can be sales model agnostic, if you will, but there are six critical skills that really play a, a, a role in being successful in a virtual world. And we'll start with presence being the first, right? Really being able to demonstrate that and, and project that confidence um, and build that swift trust. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of the swift trust theory, but you know, science tells us that used to trust was built over time, but now with technology and, and the marketplace the way it is, we're finding that sellers and buyers have to build trust more quickly and that the nonverbals that you use from smiling to the tone you use to your gestures um, play a large role in building that trust. And trust still seems to be, uh, when you do the research, still seems to be one of the key areas that uh, drives success uh, in, in selling. So that's an important part of what we do. Um, and it's also important to note that when you're talking about having presence, and this will come up several times, I'm sure, that people don't realize that Zoom cameras or whatever uh, platform you're on, the cameras that we're using actually soften some of the facial features and soften some of the mental clues that uh, one would typically use to understand and empathize with how our, our, our buyers or our customers are feeling. So 
we have to be about 60 to 70% more outgoing and demonstrative in what we do when we're trying to project that, that, that confidence and credibility. So that we have to have this uh, a presence about us, right? And, and everything we do contributes to that from a body language and what have you. We also have to be able to relate to, and we have to make an effort to relate to our audience. And we have to prepare for relating. It's previously, uh, when you're walking down the hall or in, you're in the corner of an office or you're uh, about to go into a meeting and you're walking shoulder to shoulder with someone, you had the capability to build some rapport, right? You had the, the small talk as you're walking down the hall. Now, you really have to plan for that because that just doesn't happen. And, and as you're meeting and talking with your customers, we have to really acknowledge them and make sure we are, are capitalizing on the fact that they have said something important or that we are listening and just acknowledge um, the conversation with them and look for areas of rapport building, uh, doing the research ahead of time to understand what their background is, where they come from, what areas you may be able to connect with them on, and especially in today's world, dealing with and, and showing empathy uh, to, our, to our customers. Now, I have a specific example where uh, one of our clients was ready to engage in a, uh, in a virtual uh, environment and, and ready for us to help them do that when all of a sudden they got some, some terrible feedback, if you will, from their customers and they shut down their selling effort for two weeks because their buyers, their customers were saying, look, you're just trying to sell me something. You're not trying to help me achieve or, or solve for my critical business needs in this particular environment. So we have to make sure we're empathetic in what we're positioning and what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, questioning is one of the other uh, skills that we feel is, is so important in this world, in the, in the environment we find ourselves in today. Being able to engage in that dialogue and better understand the critical business or practice issues that our customers have and being able to leverage that information so that we can shape and uh, better provide uh, a solution for them, and which means we have to understand what, they, what their needs are. Uh, so the questioning, what's, what questions to ask when and how, right, is, a, is another key skill. And then, as I mentioned earlier, listening. And not just listening with your ears, but listening with your eyes. Understanding what is available, you know, even though they, the, uh, the camera may soften some of, the, um, some of the images, still pay attention to body language and, and to um, how they are reacting to what you're saying. And then as part of listening, let's manage and help manage those that may be speaking over someone else. It's very easy in a digital world to have someone that can dominate a conversation. And so, you know, let's make sure as we listen to that, we, we pivot and are able to say, uh, John, thank you for that. I'd love to hear what Sarah has to say and how that applies to uh, her department and what she's doing. So, you know, really making sure that we are inclusive in what we're doing through our listening and, and questioning as well. And then from a positioning perspective, this is where our listening skills pay off as well by presenting relevant, um, compelling information that is tailored to our customers and what their needs are, right? Uh, that is both simple, concise, uh, but, uh, but smart and persuasive uh, and strategic, if you will. So how do we position our solution based on what we've heard throughout the, you know, throughout the conversations and throughout our interactions? And then lastly, um, how do we, one way to continue the engagement is checking in. And this is so much more important in a virtual setting uh, than it is in a face-to-face -face setting. You, you can kind of get where you are in alignment when you're face-to-face, -face, but in a virtual setting, it's important to check in on everything from are we still, do we all still have an hour? Or is, does this align with what you're thinking? So checking in throughout the, the engagement is a, is a key piece of, uh, of one of those six critical skills. So let me stop there and, uh, and see if we can move forward. And, and, and I don't know, Ted, if there's anything you want to question. Yeah, I, I think what really struck me when you and I talked about this and when we were preparing the other day was just using the, the example of um, 
of relating uh, in the six critical skills and that because you sort of took me back to the whole process of walking into the office and starting to talk to people and you know you can look around you can sort of assess your environment you can see what other equipment like in my case it'd be like maybe an ophthalmology office but you can or if you're in a hospital you can see what other equipment you're using they're using you can get feedback about how they feel about other technologies that they have and um and then like you say build rapport as you're walking down the aisle maybe it's to the the lunchroom where you're going to do your presentation to one or more people and you're setting things up. And I, it just really brought me back to that. I'm thinking, yeah, all, all those little opportunities to learn, to interact, to assess the situation are gone and you have to find a new way to do it. Um, as you're, you know, bringing in the, um, um, you know, the virtual presentation or you, you've got something scheduled. Yeah. Yeah, it totally changes it. I was just going to say, it's, it's actually now you have to plan for it, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. You literally have to, you have to research and understand where are those areas that you can, those potential areas or, or you know, thin spots that you can uh, rub up against to, to gain that rapport. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, very, very good. Um, so that's the six critical skills in a virtual sense. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, – uh, share the screen and bring up a, a, actually a real sales process. Here we go. So th- I know this is quite complicated. I'm not going to stay on this slide very long. This is a real selling process of a company that worked that I worked with about three years ago. And so you can see how complicated a process is if you're really trying to, to follow it. But to simplify this, I, I moved on to I made it something more simple, a basic technology sales process. You know, a a lead gets generated somehow. In the old days, it was frequently at a trade show. Um, You would get a lead generated, an actionable lead that could be turned over to the sales force. Then you qualify it. You have a a more, not quite super thorough introduction to whoever the entry point healthcare professional was, that's the person that generated the lead in the first place. So you have some type of introduction and maybe what you're selling there is you're selling a more thorough presentation. If they pass the introduction component, they, yeah, we need to have a more thorough presentation. I'll get my colleagues together. All right. So you have a more thorough presentation. Then they say, well, we want to talk to somebody else that's using the product. Um, so you arrange for a peer-to-peer uh, contact, which is essentially reference. Then you move on maybe to a product demonstration of some kind, and then you're off to trying to close. Of course, you're trying to close throughout that. You know, sometimes you're lucky and you get a, a quick and easy close. But, um, uh, but this is a very basic outline of a sales process. And I thought we'd bring this up just to uh, – so Brad could, like, interject here where – the virtual issues are. Yeah. So Brad, you want to uh, go for it? Sure. And, and what's really interesting to me is at the, at the very beginning, now we start, you know, lead, the lead is generated. Um, the top of the funnel is important um, that you know, for us to understand is no longer necessarily being generated by those trade shows. It's no longer being generated by those in-person um, uh, activities. So, Right. Many sellers, and what I'm hearing from my clients is that many, uh, one of the biggest needs is how do we gain access? How do we uh, create demand and stimulate interest? And, and um, what is the best way to create value so that we can, or to demonstrate value or, or establish value so that our clients want to engage with us and get on a Zoom meeting, right? And join us for a Zoom meeting. That's one of the biggest areas uh, that we're seeing uh, at this point is just how do we, how do we, how do we drive demand for the top of the funnel? Right. And that's something we, it's not published yet, but I did interview a guy the other day about using embedded videos. You and I talked mm-hmm. about that. It was actually really slick what they do at this company to help um, <clears throat> generate this first step and get, get into qualifying somebody as an opportunity. So, okay, now we're moving on to qualifying somebody. Well, it's, it's interesting um, as we, talk about this whole process, I want to expand the thought process for a minute to say, you know, the, the changes that are taking place is that sellers now become 
the uh, the guide through the buying journey for the buyer. So it's not necessarily they're going to be with them every step of the way. We may have stimulated some demand or some interest in in touching base with us, but now sellers are are in this increasingly digital world are being tasked with providing a way for that buyer to go perhaps to a corporate website or a corporate um, uh, demo site so they can then begin to find some of this information on their own. Uh, now, if they go out and do that, sellers are being um, uh, activated and understand that, okay, my customer just went out and looked at um, a demonstration of uh, hip replacement, let's just say. So now as a, as a, um, a seller, I can then reach out and say, hey, understand there's some interest in this. Here are some additional thoughts and some additional thought leadership that you may be interested in, right? So it's really part of the, one of the questions we, we talked about the other day, Ted, is, um, you know, what's changed? What's different? And, and now it's this omni-channel communication that, that sellers are having to walk buyers through uh, to help them get through the, the self-discovery and buyer journey. And they may interact at different points, but there are also other other resources that they need to bring from the organization, from their their, their organization that help that buyer come to this self-discovery, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah. So essentially what we're saying is marketing has a really important role here. Yeah. To, because if you can't use a trade show or other traditional uh, means, you know, maybe it's more email marketing, maybe it's a good website presence and, and, mm-hmm. I forget the name for it, but where uh, the website has software built into it that's actually tracking the interaction of people that come into it, they right. can see where they go, what they're interested in. Uh, it can identify them and or they can self-identify mm-hmm. now, and it can actually go all the way into the, um, the CRM. And now a sales rep has some information that Dr. Jones mm-hmm. visited this segment, was interested in this spend a lot of time on it and maybe can use that it's in itself as an introduction to Dr. Jones to try to get through a gatekeeper. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, there, there are lots of, you know, there's a blurring, you mentioned marketing and sales. There really is becoming such a blur between the two, right. That, um, we used to say they need to fit hand in glove. Now it's, I don't know what's tighter than hand in glove, but they really need to be aligned and, and really working together to be passing information back and forth. Uh, so that um, so that the the seller and the sales representative can both follow and lead the buyer through that that journey. So um, and that helps qualify. You you mentioned just moving down to qualifying an opportunity. You know, right. if someone raises their hand because they they've got an interest and they've visited some information or or opened some uh, thought leadership content that you've sent, then that certainly does help qualify uh, an opportunity. Okay, then now then we're moving on into like the introduction of the technology to the least to the most interested party. We're trying right. to have a uh, contact with that individual. And of course, now we're faced with trying to schedule a, a maybe a brief vir- a virtual presentation of some type or, or virtual interaction. Right, right. And this, so there's so many things that, um, that can play, come into play here. Uh, one recent story uh, I was told is that, um, one sales representative literally had to bring the nurse into this in the office and say, look, if you get here at 7.15, can you have the computer set up so that when the doctor walks by, you can just pull him over and I can, I can get on with him because that person was technology averse, right? There was, a, there was some video technology aversion. So, you know, it's, it's amazing what folks are having to go through right now to get somebody on a Zoom call, and that's why the value piece is so important. Um, and every at every step, at every point in the sales process, we need to be delivering value and building rapport, right, and establishing our relationship and, and our value. So in this introduction of technology to the entry point, um, this, again, will be all those six skills that we were talking about, six uh, critical skills, will be at play here as well as some more of the, the kind of the virtual prospecting we talked about is how do we then parlay that into a bigger discussion with the buying committee, the value analysis committee, or the, the IDN purchasing committee, whatever the case may be. How do we 
establish our value with that entry point, but then at the same time, help them understand how this not only helps them, but could also help the, uh, the, the larger organization as well and, and gain that appointment to go farther. Right, right. Yeah. And now we have the challenge of what many sales reps are faced with in the selling process is a committee type of meeting because a practice might be a partnership or in the hospital, you have a group of people, a committee that is involved in making a decision and now you have a group presentation. Mm -hmm. And this brings up an interesting question. Uh, Chris Jones asked in the chat, he said, is there an ideal number of participants for a virtual meeting? You know, at what point do we break the meeting into smaller meetings? Mm. It's a really good question. Uh, and, and a couple of points I want to make here. The, you know, and I'll address that first. When I look at presentations, I mean, as we've moved forward into this virtual reality and virtual training, you know, we say the max number of folks we get, we can use, we, we can really manage is about 12. All right. If, but that's when we're talking about training. Um, right. So we know that one of the number one challenges um, when in any survey we've either participated in or, or reviewed from McKinsey or Accenture or others or Forrester, what one of the number one challenge the sales reps are, are talking about today is the growing complexity of the sales or the buying cycle including the number of people they have to talk to, right? So now you've got to establish the, you have to understand and establish the value for each, each different in person on the, on the committee. And then, uh, and also understand the organizational interdependence of those different uh, value drivers. So how can I connect um, the entry level physicians, critical business issue to the CFOs, because we also know CFOs are now getting more and more involved since, you know, cash is becoming uh, an important part of what they do. So how do we, how do we leverage all that? And that's a, a key piece of, of being successful in this more complex, uh, multi-stakeholder decision-making process. Now, something I just thought of related to uh, this question, you know, what is the optimal number is in the traditional sales process, you might've had to drive an hour or a half hour or even more, maybe you're spending the night someplace because you're making a presentation at a, at a practice at a hospital the next day. But virtually, you're at your home base making these presentations. You might even be bringing in an expert from the company. Mm -hmm. It's really right. easy to have an expert attend. So there are, actually could be some opportunities here that make the, let's say, any of these meetings, but the committing meeting mm -hmm. more valuable because you can tell the, potent, the prospective attendees that, I'm going to have an expert with me. Maybe it's somebody from the company. Maybe it's a key opinion leader that's going to join for 15 minutes and you know, talk about how they use the technology or the drug or whatever it might be. So that's opportunity that you didn't have before. Another opportunity you have is you could say, well, I'd like to, since there's 10 people involved in this, let's schedule two lunches this week, mm -hmm. you know, and we'll do one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. That way people can pick which one is most convenient for them. Um, you can do that virtually. Yeah. You couldn't do that necessarily in the traditional sense, unless your target was, you know, a half hour away from your home and you could easily drive over there twice a week. But so there's an opportunity here. Another thing that was revealed in a previous podcast videocast was, there are some services now that are like one is called Eat and Gauge. I don't know if you've heard of this, Brad, but that this is a service and it's available in a number of cities where, uh, and there's others that compete with it. But the the practice or whoever is involved it, it can go to a menu, order something, it gets delivered to their office or to their home, and they can eat while they're participating. And maybe it's a webinar, but in this case, it would be a committee presentation. Right. Um, and you can still do the old thing of talking to the, the admin in the office or in the hospital office and say, look, you order in, what, what do you guys like to eat? You ordered in, here's my, you know, I'll tell me what restaurant to call. I'll pay for it. It'll get delivered. And that also helps to cement the presentation. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things I want, I want to comment on. Um, first is that the opportunities that virtual engagement allows us, right? You were dead on when you're talking about the ability. And, and this is the, the role of the new sales representative is the ability to marshal the resources of an organization right. and bring them in virtually is uh, much more simple now. 
uh, without the travel and what have you. And, and they can come in for 15 minutes and back out. So I think that's, that's, that's dead on. Uh, and, the it, other and, it, and it may make the, the interaction seem more serious. And mm -hmm. so that the people that are scheduled attend uh, feel less likely to try to blow it off and yeah. do something yeah. else. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting. The other um, situation where you're talking about, you know, this uh, engage where people come in um, and bring lunches and then try to engage. You know, this is going to speak. Uh, I'm foreshadowing what we're going to talk about here in a bit, and that is uh, the preparation that's that's needed. Because one of the horror stories that I've heard is someone trying to deliver one of those virtual lunches, and literally the office had the computer set up in the uh, in the lunchroom. And halfway through, somebody came in and said, sorry, we've got some billing we've got to do. I need to take the computer. So, you know, preparation and is a key in what we're doing nowadays. Right, right. Okay, so um, did I lose the screen for everybody, by the way? It, it came back. Uh, it's, it's not in presentation mode, but it came back. Okay, all right. I don't know what I did. I pushed some button, but we're yeah. back. Okay. All right. So... You know, the, I think the rest of this is uh, fairly, is a little bit more straightforward. I think the most challenging parts are actually the, the probably the, well, no, we get to the product demonstration, that's challenging. And then a first close attempt. I know in product demonstrations that some practices, at least in some arenas where hospitals buy or offices buy a lot of equipment, they can make, they, if they're really interested, they will make time available on a day when no patients are in the practice to have a demonstration, but there's also ways to do them, you know, do a decent um, demonstration virtually. And for example, one product technology I work with um, out of France, we can hook a, a doctor's practice up. We can hook a practice up on Team Viewer, and they can actually control the instrument from their office with their mouse and their keyboard, and they can mm -hmm. see what they're doing on their mm -hmm. computer screen. So they can actually conduct a test on a patient. They don't have the physical product around them, but they can do, you know, using TeamViewer because it is a, a computer controlled technology. Now that's not available to everybody. Right. Right. Well, I, I also noticed just a question came up uh, from Chris and Chris or, or a thought came up from Chris. And I want to um, capitalize on that as well. You're talking about uh, many times organizations in this complex environment don't understand their own buying process. And you're certainly right. Uh, and, and that's why one of the biggest criteria, I was looking at some Forrester research recently, one of the biggest positives and differentiating factors that um, customers are asking for is someone that can understand and navigate through a complex IDN buying process or a complex hospital network buying process. That is a differentiator. So I'm, I'm in full agreement with, uh, with your comment in that that is, you know, understanding how to navigate uh, the multiple stakeholders where in the morning you may be talking clinical in the afternoon, you may be talking financial. So, you know, it's a, it's an important piece of what we're talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. And then what about closing? Yeah. Well, so it's interesting. Here's the, when we talk about, and that's going to feed us into the next part of what we're going to talk about, Ted, is that closing in a virtual environment uh, has its challenges because as I mentioned earlier, there are altered dynamics in, in virtual selling and in virtual selling worlds. Time goes quickly. The meeting usually starts uh, much slower and time can get away from uh, a sales representative if they're not managing and, and tightening up that, that agenda and facilitation and the facilitation skills needed to navigate and achieve their objectives. So it's an important part of, of what they do is planning the meeting uh, and again, we'll get into this in just a second. Make sure you're planning the meeting and using the facilitation skills to check in and say, look, we've only got 20 minutes left in this. I want to make sure we're covering the most important parts and the things that are most important to you about product X. Right. You know, let's, let's review those things because we only have 20 minutes left. And then if you, if, you, if you aren't cognizant and you haven't planned that out, then what happens is you get to the end of the, the uh, virtual engagement and what you hear is, Okay, well, thanks. It's at the end of the hour. Um, I'll follow up. And you lose right. the opportunity and the momentum to talk about the next steps. You know, did this align and what are the next steps? How do we progress this sale to the next step? Exactly. But they, and that goes back to what you said before is you really have to plan this. You have to 
like you just said, watching the clock, for example. Yeah. Um, well, even even having counterparts with you, you know, it, it, multiple times, you know, virtually you can now have someone else uh, with you in this team team mode, and, and we'll we'll address some of the benefits of that as well in a second. Okay, so we we've gone through a, a sales process and identified a number of issues, and we've talked about them, but. Let's go to what you at Richardson Sales Performance consider your virtual selling critical factors for success. Okay. All right. We'll do. Pull this up here. So, all right. So, we see these these critical success three uh, buckets of critical success success factors when it comes to virtually selling. And those, if you can't guess from my conversation earlier, one is preparation. Uh, the other is the, the virtual selling skills, the six critical skills that we talked about to make sure that we are engaging and including and understanding and presenting value at every step in, the, uh, in, our, in our engagement. And then lastly, you know, having the meeting structure and facilitation skills to, to make those virtual engagements uh, successful. So we're going to take these, excuse me, one at a time. When we talk about preparation, preparation is really everything you would do for an in-person meeting plus, right? So it's plus now getting ready for a virtual engagement. Um, you want to be able to project professionalism. It, one of the things we teach and when we talk about this uh, preparation phase is check your background. What does it look like? What's your posture like? What's your environment like? Are you, you know, is your uh, desktop clean? Is it uh, you know, how do you project that, that sense of credibility and professionalism? We talked about this earlier, planning for building rapport. How do you, uh, you know, what opportunities do you have uh, to build rapport and, and manage expectations? One of the things we know is that, I mentioned it earlier, that there, there are a lot of people that, are discomfort, that have a discomfort with being on camera. How do you plan on getting that face-to-face -face engagement if uh, someone doesn't want to be on camera? It may be like, Ted, thank you so much. I appreciate you turning your camera on. It's so good to see you and, and meet you virtually this way. Others, if you'd like to do that, it'd be great if you would do the same. You know, that, that's, that's the type of verbiage we walk through. Um, and trying to, and, and to do that, we have to set those expectations up front. When we send out meeting invites and, and, and uh, suggestions early on, it's all about setting that expectation. We're all going to be on camera so we can better engage and, and participate. And then when you, when you talk about uh, the materials you use, what we find also is that folks are overly uh, reliant on technology and the slides, and they don't take the opportunity to turn the slide deck off and have the engagement with the video uh, and, and see folks eye to eye. Um, and then lastly, you can't forget the technology. Um, there should be uh, multiple, you know, you're, you, you must test what you're doing uh, to begin with. Make sure your camera is focused correctly. Make sure it's at the right height. Make sure your technology is working. The, the uh, bandwidth is proper for what you have, for what you're trying to accomplish. And the other thing that I'll, I'll mention uh, from with regard to, to preparation is what's your plan B, right? Right, um, yes. Yeah, what happens if your technology goes down? Um, do you have a teammate that's online that has the presentation that they can then share if, you're, if your machine goes down? Do you have an email that is ready to go in case technology goes down and you have to send an email that has the important pertinent information, right? Do you have a communication thread set up with your colleague so that you can have a back channel conversation if you need to uh, focus the conversation or, or have an opportunity to build some some engagement. So those are the things we talk about. We talk about preparation. Any thoughts there? Yeah. One, definitely, it's the old practice that we had in the traditional sense is we walk in an office. Again, we're looking around. We're seeing things. We go. We sit down. We're waiting for the doctor or for the head nurse or whatever it is. Yeah. They might be looking at a wall. They've got a family. They have a picture of their cat. They have, you know, the, the diplomas on the wall they went to some school that you're familiar with, or maybe, you know, another doctor that graduated from right. school. It gives you things that you can, that you might be able to create a commonality from. Right. And so you can do that on LinkedIn with a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. You might be able to find some things on a LinkedIn profile. You might find it on their website. 
Sometimes um, key people at a hospital have bios in the hospital faculty or staff section. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll show their bio, like what their research interests are, what they did, where they did their fellowship, whatever that might be. Right. There's lots of places where you can learn little tidbits that you might be able to bring into the conversation that says two things. One is I did my homework and I do care about this and we can create a little bit of commonality and warm this, warm this situation up. So there's a higher trust level, uh, which creates communication. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, you know what I've been surprised many times, especially in our, in our um, market that I've got a connection with the person that I didn't even know. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a relationship building that you can go into there. So the six degrees of separation. Absolutely. That's that's exactly right. Right. Um, So so that's the, the preparation piece. We, we talked about the virtual selling skills. I don't think I need to, to beat this to death, but um, this, we want to go along and meet our customer where they are in their buying journey. And, and those skills, the skills that we use at each stage, you know, may be a little different. Uh, obviously, rapport and, and presence is going to be uh, important throughout. Uh, but, you know, at what point, what are the questions you're asking and when? When do we... Uh, sit back and listen, you know, and how do we draw them into these intentional conversations that provide value to, to both uh, our customer and to us. Uh, and, and really what we're working for is that engagement, right? We're really trying to make sure that we are having that virtual dialogue. People, people act differently online. They'll, they'll, you know. Yeah. So for example, you just froze up Brad for a minute. So we still have your slide but this is a good example of what can happen with technology. We're using Zoom webinar, which is uh, an outstanding, um, I'll try to give you a second to come back. Now you get to practice your editing skills, Ted, with having to cut this I section know, I out, know. bring it back. <laughs> I, do have to, I do have to, but one point I'll make right here, um, he's gonna, it sounds to me like he's gonna try to log back in. One point I'll make on that, um, uh, on that virtual component you know, in, in terms of preparing, here you are, Brad, <laughs> we lost you. So it, I was just telling the audience that this is a good example of, you know, it's a technology and things can happen, even though we've yeah. got a good platform with Zoom. We've got a good platform. I know, you know, everybody seems to think they have great bandwidth and I, and I have done taking steps to make sure I do, but you never know. Exactly. Just, uh, yeah. I can't tell what Spectrum's going to do at any given time. So... <laughs> But I was getting ready to make a, uh, Jeff had a comment there while, while you were getting reoriented. And that is a, a guy that I interviewed for a podcast a little while ago, really excellent, Nick Morgan, mm-hmm. uh, talked about the fact that vir- um, uh, virtual relationships degrade over time. Mm. So you really do need to work on these things and you really need to um, prepare and, and have done your homework. If you don't, things are just going to go downhill. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to laugh because Chris Jones asked if that was planned. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I'm just glad I was able to get back on though. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, yeah. So six, the six skills are important and this is again, back to engagement. I don't know where you lost me, but we really want to make sure that we are engaging with, uh, with our customers and clients and, and so that those engage, so that those relationships have the capability to continue over time and not, not degrade. And then lastly, let's talk about um, the meeting structure and facilitation. So this is an area where, I mean, keep in mind, healthcare sales representatives in the past have been, have have not had the virtual selling skills. In fact, they've been discouraged in many, in many instances to participate in, in this type of ad hoc engagement. So this is an area where uh, we find a lot of sales representatives uh, can can improve, and that is managing the meeting and managing the engagement so that you do have some control over it while you're still engaging and and trying to relate. You do have some control. So there really there are three areas here that we that we think about when we talk about meeting structure and facilitation. There's the the opening, both the informal and the formal opening. Then there's the the body of the the meeting. And then, as we mentioned and alluded to earlier, the close, the closing of the meeting. And so let's talk about the, you know, managing the informal opening for a moment. That's the walking down the, the hallway, right? That's, you know, that's the people are coming in. People are coming on. People don't have their camera on. 
you're, you need to, as a sales representative, be on, be on early, greet everyone as they come on, encourage and acknowledge each one of them uh, so that you begin to build that positive uh, environment for, for, the, for the discussion. And then it's critically important to make sure that once we have that informal uh, opening complete, that we pivot very intentionally to the formal opening. What is, you know, let's, let's gain alignment on the agenda. Let's make sure that their introductions are, are proper and done completely. And let's make sure that everyone's in alignment on what we're trying to achieve uh, for this particular meeting. And this goes, this speaks to that comment earlier where we were talking about you know, losing control, if you will, by not, uh, one mistake we see a lot of and a trap that we see is that folks don't pivot from that informal opening to the formal meeting. And that's where we lose time and you all of a sudden it kind of degrades into a, oh yeah, well, we were talking about somebody fishing and now we're talking about our, our instrument. So we want to make sure that, that we actively pivot to that, um, to that formal meeting where we uh, signal to everyone that this is, this is why we're here. And then this body of the, the meeting, really that becomes meeting your customer where they are in the buying journey. Uh, and this is, I alluded to this earlier, this is where, you know, you adjust which, which of these six critical skills you're, you're leveraging to either better understand where your customer is or uh, to position uh, your solution, again, depending on where they are in the, in the, in the buying, um, buying process. Um, and then, but you're also doing this to, to help control the, the meeting, right, and make sure you're, you're on point. This is where checking comes in and questioning comes in making sure that we're achieving all the things we need to achieve. Uh, and then before I go on, Ted, anything, anything from that? Yeah. So I got a question from, from Jeff. What's the best way to keep it a two-way conversation and engaged? You, you sort of hinted at it a little bit, but is it as he says, is it as simple as toggling as we are right now? Or is there, are there better methods that you, you know, that have been used to create a natural interaction? Yeah, it's actually, that's a good question. And it's, the answer is all of the above. Um, and, and it's that preparation for rapport. It's the engagement and the presence. Uh, it's the making sure that there aren't any interruptions to the best you can, as we saw earlier. But, you know, it, it's really uh, all hands on deck as we try to prepare uh, and, and maintain engagement. But these are important times where you, when, when a question comes up and you take the slide off the screen and then you have the opportunity, you know, one of the things we teach is if you have multiple screens, how do you arrange the, the, the information that you're talking to? Are you speaking directly into the camera or are you looking at a screen off to the side so you can see your material, right? So there's some, it's, it's a bunch of small things that add up to a big thing. So hopefully that, that answers the question. Okay. So going from here, I mean, we've talked about a bunch of skills that are extraordinarily different in my mind mm -hmm. to what I would have been looking for 10 months ago in a sales rep if I was at, if I'd been asked to hire a sales team or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you're training organizations, you're helping to train organizations right now to utilize these skills. Mm-hmm how much practice is involved in this? I mean, how much do you have to make them practice and prepare and practice and prepare over and over again? What, what's involved in this? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So again, you know, so look at it, turning that light back on us. Now we are having to do things virtually, right? Face-to-face -face training is, uh, is virtually non-existent at this point. So we have literally uh, created a, uh, a four hour virtual selling skills engagement that we bring 12 up to 12 to 15 people into where we're having to now navigate. And we started actually working on this probably six months before the pandemic hit, not because we were so omniscient, but it was, we had heard from customers that we needed this virtual engagement uh, information and, and this, this workshop. So we had been working on this for a while. So we, we had this four hour virtual engagement that is, bolstered by some e-learning as well that requires a lot of, you know, the, the reinforcement of the six critical skills gets bolstered through e-learning and reinforcement. So uh, that's how we're doing it. Okay. Uh, we've done, we've conducted, I think over 600 of these at this point, 600 workshops at this point. Yeah. And so, um, 
it's it's been something that obviously is the market needs and has been well received. But still, after somebody takes a four-hour workshop, I mean, the sales management has to go back and say, we're going to role play this and role play this and over and over again. Do you ever take any, do you ever take a team further than the four hour session? I mean, if they ask for it. Sure we do. And like individual coaching and stuff like that. You froze up again, Brad. (laughs) No, this was not done on purpose. So um, we'll see if Brad uh, comes back in. Hey, Ted, before, before, since you're going to edit this out, before you do that, so clarification of the question that I had is, you know, have we seen an excellent presentation? Like, have we, have you seen one yet where you're like, wow, that person has it down virtually? So you don't have to answer that now, but that was the the gist of the question I was asking is like, we, we talk about a lot of things in this, but have we seen, has anybody like, wow, that's a good looking one. That's, that, that's the one we should model or something like that. Cause there's so many resources. I just don't know what yet. So so I know you're going to edit this out. So I'm going to stop there and then I'll let you kind of work. Well, there's, there's, there's what we call the uncut version, which is for the uh, MTL community. So this will actually be part of it, which is fine. And then um, for what ends up on the YouTube channel for the public, I, I may edit some stuff out. I may not, but it's a good question. So go ahead, Brad. Yeah. So um, we have had some, you know, our coaches have, have gone out and worked with teams and have seen some uh, of these presentations that are, really on point and take into account, you know, all the things we've talked about. But candidly, you know, th- this is something that requires some skill. There there are folks that different, look at the age range, right? Some folks have a, a technology challenge where manipulating all the different buttons and things they have to do can be challenging. Others have uh, a challenge around engaging virtually and not relying on the, on the slides themselves. So, um, it, it is a, a, a journey, and one of the organizations that I recently uh, was engaged with said, you know, early on they were uh, they did see a decrease in productivity, uh, but then they trained their sales team uh, with, on some virtual selling skills and what have you. Their productivity is going up. It's not where they said it, you know, where they needed it to be, but certainly they they did see an increase and a change in uh, the productivity. Meaning, and they measured that by number of engagements. Right, so the engagements were getting back up to where they were comfortable, at least as we come out of the pandemic. And that was, you know, a lot of that's due to some of the pent up demand in in um, elective surgeries and what have you. So, you know, the, right. the, we're coming out of it, but uh, but it is a process. Right. So that leads to another question that I have um, that we had talked about is, does this require a person with different kind of skills and? You know, and a sort of a second question that is when you're working with companies and you're going through these training programs, mm-hmm. are you hearing back from the companies or in between the lines that they are identifying some people that just cannot do this and therefore they can't be on the same bus anymore? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I have not been hearing so much of that because we're so early in this, right? Okay. I think organizations are still in the mode of trying to figure out who is, you know, who can and who can't. So we're, okay. we're still figuring some of that out. Remember some of the organizations that we're talking about are just now to the point where they're recognizing the fact that physician engagements, they know physician engagements are down and that permanently physicians think it's going to be about 15% less engagement with sellers. So all of a sudden they're thinking, okay, we need to figure out how to, how to capitalize on this virtual engagement piece. Um, and so some of them are slow to the, slow to the party. And some of them um, were out early on. They are the ones that invested in engagement technology that helps that seller uh, be an orchestrator and take that buyer through the buyer journey using multiple different channels and multiple different uh, cadences, if you will. I mean, there are um, companies out there that can help sales representatives put their customers on a cadence of email and virtual, you know, different, you know, what that cadence looks like. So there are organizations that are ahead of the game and organizations that are behind. So when you use the word cadence, that's the sales, salesforce.com term, right? Or is that HubSpot? Uh, I learned it from, uh, from sales loft. Sales loft. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what that, what that means if I, if I'm understanding you correctly is it's a, a series of automated uh, messages. And the other day when we had Jeff Howell on, he was, automating video embedded video messages, which are really, really were 
impactful. They were pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then you can go in and interrupt that cadence if, if suddenly you engage with the, with the targeted person. Yeah. Uh, but you can actually see the metrics. You can see if they've opened it you, and if right. they've read it, how much time they spent on it right. and start to gauge interest. So it's, that was very, very, uh, very powerful. But the other reason I asked that question is because, you know, almost a month and a half ago, two months ago, when I was talking to one of my colleagues uh, who has about 15 reps reporting into him for half the country, mm-hmm. you know, he said that he didn't think 30 or more percent of his team could make this adjustment. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty high tech product. Right, seventy to one hundred fifty thousand dollar, you know, capital equipment buy, a lot of technology in it. But he thought that that was the number, and he was very worried about it. Yeah, I can I can understand, and I think it, it's probably going to be different for different sales. I don't think you're going to find one number that's going to meet all sales, you know, all sales organizations. But you know, the the difference is in today's world, the you know, there's going to be this blurring of line. It's not going to be inside versus outside sales anymore. It's going to be sales, right? Yeah. You're going to have this this one type of of selling individual, and there are going to be multiple people on the team. So it's it's more of a team selling. Going back to that orchestration kind of piece, there's going to be customer success groups that are that are working with the um, with the seller, um, and, and perhaps there you know you're not going to have this um, geographical boundary, if you will, for selling. You know, when I when I read the research out there, where we're headed is perhaps to this account specialization where you have somebody that has a relationship or, or a specific knowledge of an account that may be global. They may live in Georgia, but they may have a connection to Kaiser in California. Well, with everything virtual, there's no boundary, no geographic boundary that keeps them from doing that per se. Right. So, you know, so there's a, you know, there's a, a difference perhaps coming in how we align our business uh, from geography to vertical or to specialist or to, you know, account specialist. And orchestration is an entirely new skill for a lot of sales reps like to be a sales rep because it's a lone wolf type of job. Mm-hmm. They're out in their territory. They're running it like their business. Now, some mm-hmm. are more sophisticated. They might have a, a medical liaison they work with yeah. or an application specialist that they work with or a sales support specialist. So there's a little bit of orchestration there about responsibilities within the territory but still not quite as much as we might be running into going into the future. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has really been great. I I think we've covered, um, you know, all the bases of what we wanted to cover, but does anybody have a question? Karen, Mark, Robert, Jeff? I I would go back to what I asked before. And thanks again for pulling this together. And it's been a lot of good information. I think the one struggle that I have in the whole what I guess maybe become the term sales virtualization is ensuring that we have the right resources there. And I think, uh, you know, for, as a business leader or commercial leader, where I'm at is there are so many tools and resources out there that I, I just almost see an opportunity for someone to say, here's a platform, use this platform. Yeah. Here's an all encompassing piece. Use this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely, you know, sales enablement is becoming a precision weapon now or precision tool, if you will. Um, and it's becoming more and more important as we talk about sales representatives that need to be that orchestrator and need to have access to information. It really is becoming a, a, a big part of what we do. And um, I, I think there are organizations out there that have put together their own version of what they think is works perfectly. But I think uh, I don't think the, the full version is out there. Okay. So I think what we'll do is we'll, um, We'll wrap this up. This has really been terrific. I think we covered a lot of important ground here. And I hope um, everybody, you know, got one or two pearls out of this, uh, something that they learned that they can, you know, take back and help make their role a little bit more effective in their organization. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Ah, You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Well, that was time well spent with Brad Ainsley. And we learned that there's a lot to the sales process in a virtual world. In past episodes, we've looked at various components of what could be part of the sales process in the virtual world, whether it was PowerPoint or the nuances of interaction via video. And we looked at these separate things, but we never really looked at it as a whole as it relates to the sales process in completion. And the nuances that sometimes we take for granted in the sales process. 
walking down the hall, establishing relationships, looking around, seeing what's going on in a practice, things we can't do anymore. Brad has brought all of that out and put it on the table. These are things we have to consider and we have to adjust for in the virtual selling environment. Very important information and it requires work and it requires practice for us to overcome some of these challenges and considerations. So I hope you enjoyed that. If you enjoyed the program today, please recommend it, forward it to a friend, give it a rating. You know, we really appreciate the fact that you are here with us today. Thank you so much. And now go win your week.